Welcome to FitStory TV, the number one resource that everyone in fitness can relate to. I am your host, Matthew Burbridge, with my co-host, Perry Power, and we are on a mission to change the way people see fitness one story at a time. If this is your first time listening, make sure you hit subscribe right now so you don't miss out when we drop more fire. Let's go, Matt. All right, cool. I always like to say this before we get going. Who's ready to record a motherfucking podcast? Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. I love getting a bit of energy up. You know what I'm saying? Right. Let's get this. Let's get it. Let's get it. Right. Cool. What is going on, Fit Story fam? I am here with my co-host, part-time actor, uh, television talent as well. Overall, I got to plug you with that one, mate. With your recent showing on TV, Uh, overall, (laughs) overall badass motherfucker, man of the hour, Perry Power. What's up, dude? What's going on, man? Uh, Yeah, for people listening. I was on a MTV a couple of days ago because early last year, it's ridiculous. I, I filmed, a, I was on a dating show. I'm, not, I'm in a relationship now, but I was on a dating show, ended up being a date, which went freaking uh, like so wrong. It was, it was so bad, but I got some couple of minutes on TV, which is pretty cool. So, but yeah, bro, I'm doing really well and I'm quite excited to get into the guests we have today, man. Uh, me too, dude. Me too. So we're back again. Another episode of Fit Story TV. It does feel like we're doing these uh, pretty much constant, like all week, doesn't mm, it? And, it um, does. It's really cool because for any of you that are listening, maybe this is the first time listening, this is essentially a podcast that injects powerful stories in their most rawest form directly into your ears. Like you could be doing all kinds of other things. This is why we chose podcasting because you could be having sex whilst listening to a podcast or doing the washing up or, or anything you, anything that comes to mind you can do whilst it's uh, whilst you listen to an extremely versatile platform. So before we kind of get going into the guest and do all of the cool shit, I just want to kind of um, just say that we're, we're seeing a big growth spurt with the downloads at the moment. And honestly, it just makes me want to cry because when we started this podcast, we, 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 we didn't have any experience prior, but we knew one thing. We knew that everybody has a story that somebody needs to hear. And to see these consistent downloads and the spikes happening and you know, game changers like AJ, who's joining us today, joining us on this platform, it's just validation that what we're doing is working. And so thank you so much to everybody that is um, you know, avid listeners and, and downloading. We appreciate it. So, bro, I'll let Perry Power take over now. Yo, so today we have AJ Merzard, who is an author, business coach, and speaker. Now, what I must say, and I have to really stress this, is that whilst he is uh, you know, a business guru, a proper, really good guy within the fitness industry, he's also someone who is a great example of what being vulnerable and showing up as your most authentic, true self looks like. And I've been following AJ for a number of years now and how he shows up online, how he shares stories, and how he presents himself and his experiences is, is something that's very admirable. Um, and I would just like to put that forward first and foremost before we get going. Um, and he shares some really crazy stories, some really funny stories as well. And I said to him before this episode started, I said, I've got to bring this up in the intro because I was on Instagram, um, I think it was the other day, and he was... I was reading this story. I was like, okay, this is interesting. Who's banging on the door? He said that someone's banging on the door and he's gone traveling. I'm like, who's banging? I want to know who's banging on the door. And all of a sudden, he opens up the door and it's not this big guy who he needs to beat down. It's this little Oompa Loompa who's a prostitute knocking at his door at 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning, which is <laughs> freaking hilarious. I was cracking up so much. Um, 
but I'm sure we'll probably get the juice. I'm sure AJ didn't call up a, um, a an Oompa Loompa prostitute for real. Yes. And I'm, <laughs> go, on, go on record to say I didn't order that prostitute. Yeah. It was my neighbor. Yeah, yeah. He's like on the phone stitching you up, you know? Like, yo, you need to send, send that little Oompa Loompa one. Yeah, to AJ's. That's the one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, I know some of our listeners, a lot of our listeners will know who AJ is, but I know that there will be some people who don't. So, dude, it'd be really, really cool if you can just very, very briefly just tell people uh, what you do and who you help. And then straight after that, we go into the real reason why people are here and jump into your fit story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Matt and Perry for having me. Love what you guys are doing. And it's an honor to be here just to add value and to have this deep conversation about stories and about just growth, everything success. Um, I myself, I've been in the fitness industry for 20 years and uh, I started off as a personal trainer. I was doing that in the 2000s and then 2010, I started doing online fitness coaching. Uh, at the time, not many people were doing it. So I was one of the, the pioneers to basically introduce this to the industry. Uh, I started to do seminars and had different uh, videos giving tutorials on online training. And then from there, I saw an opportunity in the marketplace around 2012. I started to coach people and teach them how to build an online fitness business. And uh, the story just, you know, grows from there. You know, sometimes you're in the right place at the right time, with the right opportunity and the business, the people, everything has exponentially grown. And uh, about two years ago, I had the great honor of being inducted into the personal trainer hall of fame here in the States for bringing online training to our community. So I just love everything, fitness, storytelling, personal development. I'm grateful to be here. Thanks, brother. And you know what? I'm glad that you said that because um, I remember that the game has changed so much, you know, and it continues to evolve with the online space. And uh, I remember just a few years ago, and you'd be able to validate this for me because obviously you've been in the game a lot longer. But I remember just a few years ago, it was a case of kind of like for marketing, you could convert on social media by showing a picture of your abs and having a link in the comments to apply for your program. Like that's literally how it was like, what, four or five years ago? And the yeah. game has just evolved so much, you know, as people have become better marketers, uh, it's not just better fitness coaches, because what a lot of these guys listening right now, they're not just fitness coaches anymore. Like, if you want an online business, it means being something of everything. Like you have to be a marketer too, and you have to also be customer service, and you also have to be the salesperson. So the game has just evolved so, so much, man. Um, so just from like your early take, because I love this, just before we dive into like your backstory and stuff, just from like that early section of the online world, what do you think has been the biggest shift? I feel the biggest shift has been uh, personality-based marketing. You know, when I think about all the years that I've been doing online coaching, um, in the initial stages, it was just a very low, sophisticated offer, you know? I'm going to help you lose weight online. And then from there, it got more specialized and higher sophistication where we went into different niches and target markets. And then as I looked at the people that I've coached and the people that are on the top of the game, you get paid more for who you are and not just what you do. So people just don't buy coaching. They buy coaches, their mm -hmm. personal story, their background, the, the fact that they care, you know? So obviously... At the end of the day, the people that are searching for you, they all want the same thing, but they pick the personality that aligns with them the best. Yeah, oh man, that answer was like music to my ears, bro. It was. It's what we're all about. <laughs> it wasn't that a sexy answer, it bro. Was. 
So, um, and I'm sure, look, straight off the bat, AJ coming in with the fire, right? <laughs> so, um, yo, look, what we really, really, really want to know, because the people are here, the, the whole platform, this whole thing, Fit Story TV, is about your fit story. And, uh, you know, for anyone that is listening that maybe this is their first time, like I said, we're seeing that bit of a spike in the growth at the moment. Uh, what is a fit story? People are like, what the fuck is a fit story? Well, if it already isn't clear enough, it's your core story. So everything that makes you, you, all of the experiences you've been through, the lessons that you've had, all of the stuff that makes you, you. But your fit story is the pieces of that puzzle that are extracted, that are relative to your fitness journey specifically. And when we craft this fit story in, in, a, in, in a marketing sense, what you're essentially doing is for nine out of 10 fitness coaches, you are marketing to the old you. You're marketing to the old identity in most cases. And if you can craft your fit story in a way that relates to the old version of you, the ideal client, the, the Matthews of the world that are stuck where I used to be before I knew anything about macros and training, then you're going to be able, like AJ was saying, they're not going to buy your coaching program. They're going to buy the coach. So, um, dude, like to, to even like, I just want to get straight in with the juice on this and figure out like, cause obviously now you're, you're a successful dude. Like I see you still got the Bentley, you're still driving the Bentley, bro. Yeah. Dream, dream car, Bentley convertible. Uh, yeah, I'm a car guy. So I always <laughs> wanted it as a, as a young boy and, uh, finally have it. But, and, and very just to add into that, I saw, Shit, man. dude, I mean, I can't believe that. I can only imagine what it felt like to do this, but you recently bought your dad a car, didn't you? Yes, yes, yes. For Christmas, uh, got a, my father a gift and uh, something I've always wanted to do. Uh, you know, growing up, I was very poor. So this was like, I, the, I made a moment. You know, it wasn't me buying the mansion or the Bentley. The greatest joy was to buy my loved ones a gift, you know, oh, so that brought me more happiness. Wow. And people say you can't buy happiness. Well, isn't that a load of shit? <laughs> I'm, yeah. I do not believe you. <laughs> people that say money isn't everything have not given enough of it away. Oh, that is fire. Bro, that come is. on. We still got time left yet. And you're already talking <laughs> bombs. Um, so look, obviously successful now. And, and that wasn't always that way. Like you just said, you just dropped in then that you, you come from a poor background. So what we would love to do is like hop in a time machine. Let's spin that bitch back to, you know, before you knew anything about fitness, before you became a coach, before all of that stuff, before you even knew how to track your macros, let's take you all the way back. What was life like for AJ at that point? What was life like for you growing up and going through school and all those bits? Yeah, I had quite a challenging and traumatic life. You know, I came into America when I was a year old. Uh, our country was a war-torn, just destructive country. We had to flee as refugees. So coming here, my parents, uh, they were kind of rushed to come here. So they had a lot of barriers with their English, with their education. And my father, he started off just taking odd jobs just to provide for the family. And we were very, very poor. So we lived in a one bedroom apartment. It was five of us and we were on welfare and food stamps, public assistance here in the States. So my father was a young man at the time and he didn't take it so lightly. So in a lot of ways, his pride was taken away. And because his pride was taken away, he got very angry and he started to drink. And when he drank, he became very violent. Uh, first, physically, he would call me fat, stupid, lazy. I would hear that very much as a young boy. And then he would hit me for insult, like 
irrelevant things. You know, whenever he was angry, he would take it out on me, but not just myself and my brothers, my mother as well. So for the first 10 years, it was very, very difficult being the oldest of four boys and seeing your mother and your father fighting, being disrespectful, and then you would hear the slap and the physical violence. And for the first 10 years of my life, that's what I experienced. So my own abuse, seeing my mother being beaten. And at the time, I didn't know any better because in my family, this was like a secret. I didn't have another family member or a guidance counselor to share this trauma. So in a lot of ways, I suppressed it and held it within. So as a young boy, I was eating a lot of food to numb my feelings and I was extremely shy. In fact, I had a severe stutter for the first 20 years of my life. So talking, uh, 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 I would be stuck. You know, even sometimes when I get excited, I still have the stutter. But for me, it was very, very difficult being overweight, uh, stuttering, being very insecure and shy. And then once I got older, the food didn't cut it, so I went to alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I just remember having my first drink, I just kept on drinking because it was the best way to numb the pain better than food. So I would just drink bottles and bottles of alcohol till I was blackout drunk, vomiting, sometimes ending up on the street, sleeping on the street. I've slept on the curb many times. And of course, alcohol is a gateway to drugs. So then I got into cocaine, crystal meth, ecstasy, wow. Vicodin, Xanax, initially mm. drinking and taking drugs and then taking them all at once and overdosing numerous times. So my life hit rock bottom in my early 20s when I overdosed severely, was pronounced dead and then was in a coma for five days. So surviving that and just really seeing how horrible my life was, that was my impetus to start changing. And that's when I became a personal trainer and I started to really wanna help people and you know, most importantly work on myself because all of that trauma, all that pain, instead of using food, alcohol or drugs, now I can use healthier methods like meditation, journaling, fitness, hiring therapists and coaches. So from that point on, my whole life changed. And looking back on it, now I understand why it happened the way it did. Yeah. yeah. Dude, firstly, I just want to say um, thank you for sharing that with, with us. And, and I can relate to the earlier stages and even up until the point where, you know, reaching for the bottle and, and doing all kinds of drugs and too many of them. Uh, that, that all hits me to the core because, you know, that's part of my story too. You know, well, I come from, I'm the youngest basically in my family. So I've got uh, two, technically three older brothers, but I've never seen one of them. He was taken away from my mum when she was only 16 when she had him. Uh, and then the other one who is in uh, hospital right now, and that's the one that went into, got uh, convicted of murder. And then the other brother, who's uh, the third, uh, old, third youngest, um, and he was extremely violent. And I remember, so we all had different dads and I can, my earliest memories, anything pre the murder, I, I struggled to con like connect with because it's really hard. It was almost like that trauma was so extreme and I'm sure you can relate where a lot of that, those memories were almost just pushed to one side. My brain just kind of pushed them to one side because it just, it was so, such a big fucking thing. But because I was the youngest, I grew up seeing violence in my house a lot like my brother hitting my sister my sister threw a boiling hot kettle water over his head one day because he punched her in the eye wow. yeah he had these burns all down the back of his neck um and and uh, you know seeing those things it made me numb to those experiences so 
you know, my sister and my brother's dad was an extremely violent man. He was a woman beater. That's someone that you would say is like a, an actual woman beater. He doesn't need to drink in order to hit a woman. He will just hit a woman. And, um, I haven't spoken to that guy in years, but I remember back then, I remember that he hit me once with a belt in a shop. So literally like I'm not even his kid. And he used to have this real hatred for me. And I felt that, you know, and uh, in the shop one day I was playing up, I was acting up, I was a young kid. And I remember it vividly. He literally took a belt off of the shop floor, like, cause we were in a, a shop where they're selling clothes, took the belt off and just swung it at the back of my legs. And I remember telling my mum about that. And she was afraid to approach him and say anything, you know, because of that. But I just relate so fucking heavily here, man, because you do, you, you become numb to these things. You become numb to those moments. And then you start to look at other ways to get around it or, or you know, to numb it. And I just relate in extremely hard to, to your story so far. So thank you for um, sharing what you've shared so far, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, of course, man. I appreciate it too. You know, it's very relatable. And, you know, I love talking openly about this because many other people could relate as well. And, uh, you know, we all have uh, a challenging past. You know, we have things we went through. And the more we talk about it, the more we connect and know that, that we're not broken and there's nothing wrong with us. Mm. Uh, yeah. Go on, I just, yeah, I just want to quickly <laughs> ask. I know you mentioned in that, in that um, quick story you just shared about stuttering, right? And um, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I, I remember reading it and I found it fascinating. And I, I'm pretty sure you said that you still do this occasionally. On a Sunday, you go into New York and you talk to as many people as you possibly can. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. So when I had the severe stutter, I knew that if this continued, this speech impediment would not allow me to make an impact on life. After that near-death experience, I said, I want to leave a legacy. I want to do something. And I just got so into personal development and inspirational speakers when I was listening to Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins and Les Brown and these legends, they were such good communicators. So I said, man, I, I need to get rid of this stutter and become a really good communicator, but also become very confident and speak with full of conviction. So at that point, I laid out a series of what I call communication challenges, uh, public displays of freedom that if I could do this publicly, then I become a better communicator. So one of them being stand-up comedy, uh, performing spoken word, freestyle rapping, dancing on video. And one thing I do, um, I try to do it at least once a week, is I go in a very populated area. I live in New York City, and I will just go and speak to 20, 30 random people, just start a conversation, give them a compliment. If I see an attractive woman, Got asked for a phone number, you know, oh, it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's shit that scares me, you know, because a lot of times I'm a wuss. So I'll see a very beautiful woman and I'll be like, man, she's, oh, I want to say something, you know, but then the mind kicks in. Oh, what if you get rejected? What if she says no? So I'm like, my mantra, don't think, just do. I just start walking in a direction. Even if I say something stupid, like, hey, do you know where Starbucks is? At least I break the pattern. And then once we start talking, you know, she likes me. She starts flirting and then we go somewhere. If not, then I know where Starbucks is, you know, for the 20th time that day. So. <laughs> Do you know, but, I've, got to, I've got to try that line now, man. I've got, I've got a partner and everything, but I mean, just to see what happens. Uh, hey, um, 
you know where uh, Starbucks is? Uh, <laughs> just see what happens. Just standing, <laughs> standing in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the point I'm saying is, you know, I live my life by the uh, Joseph Campbell quote. The cave that you fear holds a treasure that you seek. So in every moment, I say to myself, what's, what's scary in this moment? Like right now in this public place, what scares the shit out of me? Whether it's going up to someone having a conversation or giving a beautiful woman a compliment. If it scares me, I got to do it. Because the moment I face that fear, all of a sudden, I, I get this high. You know, I the, the exhilaration feeling. And then that bold action opens up a new world of possibilities. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, dude. I love I loved this already. Um, I, what I've got a question on my mind, though, uh, and I just want to try and pull it back, pull the narrative back to where we left off. And uh, you mentioned about how you were like eating a lot, numbing the pain, eating a lot of food, and you got overweight, right? You actually use the word fat. <laughs> and uh, you're a fat guy, right? Fat kid. Boy boobies, yeah. belly, <laughs> chipmunk cheeks. So this happened, and then it was the the transition to personal training. But what I'd love to dive into and just unpack a little bit is that journey, that journey to getting fit. You know, that journey to actually like finding your flow in the gym and working out and eating right. Like, let's try and dive into there and unpack some of those details if we can. So, what was that like going from fat to fit, essentially? You know. Essentially, it was a life-changing uh, transformation, you know? Uh, I've posted my before and afters a lot on my Instagram, and you could see how bad it was, and I had these big boobies, you know? And I was so insecure with my belly and just my, my, my body. It was, it was just complete fat. And when I would go to the beach, I was one of those guys that would wear a tank top or a T-shirt, you know? Because once I took the shirt off, my, my man breast would hang and it was so embarrassing. So I had extreme insecurity with my body. And then I focused on whatever it takes to finally get a six pack. And that was my biggest goal at the time because I realized that, wow, um, if I could get over the, the, the drug addiction and the alcoholism and my deep depression, then there's a way of improving my fitness by eating the right foods, doing cardio, learning how to exercise, you know, hiring mentors, nutritionists, and just following the game plan. I was so committed to it. But I remember the moment that my body fat hit the level and I woke up one morning and I pulled up my shirt and I just saw some barely visible abs. It was like the dream come true. It was like, whoa, I did it. I did it. And it just gave me just so much confidence. And, you know, from there I was like, man, I want to help other people do this too. Because the, the way that I feel right now, I feel so energized and I feel just so um, good about myself. And to me, fitness was the gateway into self-improvement, business growth, just the higher levels of personal development. Fitness opened up all the doors for me. Mm. It's like becoming a, uh, and you're probably going to love this terminology, but it's like becoming a superhero. You know, oh, yeah. it really is like going through a transformation. It's literally like becoming a fucking superhero. It's like going through this identity shift to a different, you just create a new character in your life, you know? Uh, and, and it's not just the physical either, is it? It's like that mental game. I remember doing my bodybuilding show in those seven weeks. I've said this so many times before on content and in, in the podcast that those seven weeks, because I prepped only for seven weeks, it was shorter wow. than I wanted it to, but um, I got into good shape, used keto diet. Yeah, I, I saw the photos, you have great genetics. Pre- appreciate you, man. And um, that was literally like a case of, yeah, the results here looked good. Like I, I got aesthetically fit and looked good, but it was this 
man, my mind, it was like someone, it was like someone else's. It was like some other character that I didn't even know existed that was put, that was put there, you know, it really yeah. was. Yeah, I, I think in a lot of ways, uh, you know, growing up as young boys, we um, watch these superhero movies and play with action figures. And uh, I remember I used to draw a lot. And that was one of the, the ways that, that, that I kind of numb myself in, in a healthy way was just drawing for drawing for hours and hours. And I remember drawing like this superhero version of myself and big chest, cap shoulders, six pack abs, tiny waist. It was just like so detailed. I would draw the same photo over and over and over again. And then when I was in my peak of my bodybuilding, I discovered the photo in a garage. And I remember like looking at the way I look now compared to that photo. And it was like all of those years, I was drawing the body that I have now. And it was like the greatest celebration, you know, because I guess I was doing things on a very unconscious level. Mm. Do you know, I've, uh, I've peeped through your Instagram. Obviously, you've been connected a while, but I peeped through your Instagram and I was just scrolling through now trying to find that picture. And I found one, there's a before and after. This was from like November 12th, uh, 2018. And you can see, like, it wasn't like you were shifting a little bit of fat. Like you were just a little bit, like you were pretty fat, you know? So to go yeah, through that yeah. process must have been awesome to actually not just draw the character, but create it. <laughs> I mean, that's fucking dope. How much of um, a Marvel fan are you? Just got to ask. Big, 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 man. Yeah. I would What's your favorite, with, uh, favorite one? Yeah. X-Men. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Wolverine was, I don't know. I had a strong affinity to that character. I can see you being a Wolverine, AJ. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm feeling that vibe. So most of the time, right, I'll change my name on uh, on the podcast. I don't know why I haven't, actually. I should, who even am I anymore? So normally this is what I have it as, and and we'll we'll delay this for a second and we'll test the, uh, the Marvel skills, right? You ready? This is normally what my name is. We're on Zoom, by the way, people listening. But uh, son of Odin is normally what I. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> I do wish if I there was any Marvel character I would be, it would be Thor. I would have to be <laughs> Thor. He's such a badass. He is a badass, yeah. But uh, bro, I think um, one thing that I just want to like dive into is because you've got, you've done a, a lot. Like your career is is I mean you've had just in the fitness game itself. You said you you got in at tw- at twenty ten. So, you know, 10 years of on, and that's online coaching. So how long was you doing the, once you found your transformation, how was that, how long was you then doing the, the personal training gig for? And was that just offline? Like that little transition, I'd love to dive into it. Yeah, I, I would say like in-person working with clients, I did that for about 10 years, you know, starting off with one-on-one training, then I did group training, then it was like a hybrid of online and group. And then finally, once the online had enough cash flow then I quit the in-person totally. Gotcha. Because, I mean, I, I've done uh, both. You know, I was an online fitness coach. Uh, what would you say is hardest? It's a, a difficult question because we've asked it to a few people. And um, brick and mortar, because we had Justin Devonshire on only like this week, actually. And he's, oh, yeah, great he's, guy. He's, yeah. He's, yeah, he's a dude, right? And um, he was talking about brick and mortar and how building a brick and mortar is, you know, essentially it's easier. If you wanted to create a boot camp, you walk up, you, you go and if you've got the fucking cojones, you go up to 300 people and you, you speak to 300 people in that week and you, you, you offer each of them a 30 day, you know, free trial at your boot camp. And by the end of it, you'll have 10 clients. And then at the end of that, they'll end up generating referrals, et cetera. So it's an interesting question. I'm just curious to know where you sit on that. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I think uh, obviously there's a, a transitionary period where, you know, when you're first starting out, you get certified, you do the in-person work and, you know, over time you build your personal training uh, practice, you work with clients and have a good handle of dealing with injuries and challenges and getting them results, of course. And then obviously there comes that decision. Do I want to build a, a fitness facility, brick and mortar, or do I want to build an online business? You know, so I've had the great joy of coaching over 600 people to transition from in-person to online. And if I could say which one is easier, I would say definitely the physical business, you know, because when you're transitioning online, there are a lot of different skill sets that you have to work on because, you know, if you're face to face with someone, the trust level is extremely high, especially if you have a physical address and they could go there and take a look you up online. You know, there's a lot of factors where online, most times you never meet your clients. They're trusting you to basically wire you money, you know, and it's like, you're never going to touch them. You're never going to have the physical contact. So the person who is online has to develop extreme levels of trust and credibility, and that is done through storytelling, personality-based marketing, adding a ton of value up front, but also being a great communicator, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I'll honestly say this, and I've had a lot of people who would apply for my program, and I would tell them straight up, like, hey, listen, your communication skills is not gonna cut it. If you put out a video the way you are right now, it's not gonna work. I don't think you should do online training. Stay with the in-person business, and as you develop your skill set, then go online. So there's a lot of people that I recommend to them to get better at copywriting, video, being able to convey that trust and credibility without meeting someone. You got to do that. That's a foundation. And then you transition online. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Justin was saying similar things and, and about how you, the skill sets that you, we learned, because I did uh, worked in a gym for a while doing selling memberships. It was, a, a, you know, 30 pound a month. You're getting people to budget for. And uh, I remember that gave me so many fucking skills that I took into the online world. You know, things like one, getting rejected, trying to close sales in a gym, getting a no. Uh, two, though, guerrilla marketing tactics, like things that now online, yes, I don't have to use them. But let's say, for example, um, you know, like I understand more than the person who's just had this platform and had this stuff at their availability. I understand that there's certain things that you need to do that you can't just get, like you can't just have, we're in, we're in that day and age now where it's like click funnels. I just set that up and then I've got a business there, you know, but that shit taught me a lot, you know, being offline and going through those processes, being a PT for a while taught me so fucking much. Um, but bro, I'm actually really curious to know, was AJ, it's AJ when he was a PT, was you helping the old AJ? Was I helping, you mean like, a, was that uh -huh. like a person like me? Yeah. So when you were like the, the overweight dude and when you started PT and once you found your transformation, was you helping, was you aligned to that ideal client, the type of person that you were? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, same thing when I was seeing, certain clients coming in they want to have an extreme body transformation um the biggest thing what was this like i had such an affinity to help them because i remember walking into the gym and being clueless and you know doing two three hours of cardio a day eating nothing but lettuce and turkey breast you know? <laughs> so, 
I see sometimes what people are doing and it's like, whoa, you know, I want to help them because, you know, when I hired my first nutrition coach and he taught me about macros and uh, calories and carbs and, you know, all these different things, I, I was blown away. I was like, holy cow. Now I could like meticulously lose weight, add lean muscle tissue and, and, and adjust the diet. So that like piece of information I want to give to other people as well, because once they learn it, they master their mind and body. Yeah. And can you remember a, a moment during that period where you were PTing where, you, you know, cause it's like we said earlier, yes, it, it's, it's, I would, we would say we've covered, it's probably easier than online uh, training, but can you remember a time during the time when you became a PT, where you just hit an absolute fucking rock bottom, whether that was in your personal life or in your business? Uh, that's like a, a question that is always on the forefront of my mind, because I feel that so many of our listeners, they go through the, the similar things, you know, they hit these rock bottom moments. I mean, we're, we've speak, I can't obviously drop a, a client's name in, but speaking to, we check up on all the time, all the time. We, we're keeping our clients accountable, but not only just for the business stuff, like seeing how they're doing, you know, checking in with them from human to human, not business to fucking human. And, um, you know, some people just suffer with, with personal setbacks, things that just knock them clearly off their feet. So I'm just wondering, it, it, of course, you probably did experience that. But if you did experience like a rock bottom moment, um, what would be awesome to know is what it was. And then how did you kind of navigate your way through that? And what was the biggest takeaway for you from experiencing one of them? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I was in a place where I was really building my personal training business and I was just very known for transformations and results, you know, um, on my website, I had like hundreds of before and afters, you know, and, and that was like my claim to fame because being overweight and understanding the mindset of someone who has zero fitness experience, I was able to inspire them into action. One with my own personal story, but also the relatability and knowing the, the challenges they go through. And, uh, you know, I always say this and something you guys touch upon as well, like you are the 2.0 version of your ideal client. So I was them, the 1.0, I became the 2.0 and now it's like, okay, here's how to get there and here's how to get there faster. So I was just reliant on my before and afters and referrals and just some basic social media marketing. And then in 2008, we took a huge economic hit. I think the whole world did, it was a global impact. From there, everything just went downhill and my income went down 75%. And it was like, holy cow, now my expenses are super high and the leads are not coming in like they used to. And it was really scary for me because I thought I was going to lose my business and have to uh, get a nine to five job. And it was pretty much everyone was dealing with it. But at the same time, during that difficult time, I said, okay, I need to learn online marketing and I need to really understand how I could get clients outside of just referrals and just basic organic marketing. And that in 2009, I hired my first mentor. Uh, he's still mentoring, actually, uh, Chris McCombs. And he was the king of online marketing in the fitness industry. And I remember at the time, it was a lot of money. It was $4,000. I've never spent that much money on a mentor before. But I remember giving him my credit card and knowing on that call that he had my back. And uh, from that point on, I just said, whatever you want me to do, I'm doing it. I don't look like an idiot and lose all this money. So he would just call me up and be like, all right, AJ, do these three things. The reason why you're stuck and you're in analysis paralysis is because you have too much information. Just do these three things and get back to me. So I would do those three things. 
call them back. You give me another three things. And literally within a matter of weeks, I made that $4,000 investment back, but also learned online marketing. I learned storytelling and copywriting. Now I'll say this as a fact, Chris McCombs till this day is one of the best copywriters and storytellers. He has a killer blog and he was able to teach me so much. In fact, there was a moment where um, he had like a terabyte like hard drive with like all of the best direct response marketing and copy and storytelling. And he just sent that to me. And I remember I was just like a kid in a candy store. I devoured it, just learning so much <laughs> about influence and persuasion and taking the written word and inspiring someone to pull out their credit card and take an action. So that difficult time led me to hire him, which took my storytelling and communication 10 times to where it was before. I love that because I don't think um, a lot of not just fitness trainers, but anybody, um, especially within entrepreneurship, would do something where like you was in-person PT and you had built something, right? And sure, you saw it decline. You said you dropped 5%. But then a lot of people would not be abundant and open up their mind to completely take a different route and then move online in this complete unknown territory in this complete new world and then invest 4K into a complete new world. And I think that that is testament to especially how you got to where you are today, because that's a certain skill set that develops over time, right? Yeah, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And I think, uh, you know, all my, my years of decades of being in business and not quitting, there are up cycles, there are down cycles. And, you know, when there's a down cycle, it's all about having the intelligence to break the pattern and to take a bold move, a bold action. You know, just like when I'm in public and I'm feeling kind of insecure, I'm stagnating, I'll go up to a random stranger and start talking to them or do something out of my comfort zone. So when business is slow, and if I keep doing the stuff I did in the past, I'm still gonna be in the same place, right? That's Einstein's definition of insanity. But when things are going slow, I often found if I make a huge investment or take a really, really big risk, you know, just put it all on the table, that always works in my favor because it just wakes my ass up and gets me to start moving again. Yeah, I love yeah. that. You know, I was just going to say on the front of investing money uh, it's been a topic that has been hot on the press lately and um me and perry we are being mentored by mike zellier so you oh you know mike. i know him such a g right great guy love the guy love him he's just an epic human isn't he and um you know like he actually said to us on 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 the sales call he's super transparent you know it's not cheap to hire you know coaches like him and yourself and it's not cheap you know, and nor should it be because you're fucking good mentors. And I, I remember him saying, you know, of course there was a bit of a, a hesitation, even though we really wanted it. You know, when, when that money sign gets thrown up, it's always like a, whoa, you know, like the wind get not, gets knocked out of you. But I remember him saying it couldn't be more true. He said, you have to let go of that money in order to be able to make more of it. Like it's, it's, it's a universe thing. Like if you hand over them, if you holding it and being an, you got it in your crutches and you're not letting it go and you and you you feel poverty around it and you just want to hold it then it's not going to come to you you can keep the stuff you've got <laughs> you can keep that money you got but that the rest isn't going to come and i just remember him saying it and it was like boom wow like this this guy has just hit the nail on the head so um yeah bro i agree i agree you know it's uh Money is, is nothing but perception. That's what I've learned because I've been extremely poor relying on the government and, you know, became a self-made millionaire. 
and I've been through all of the extremes of wealth. And one thing I've learned is like, you could have an abundance mindset or a scarcity mindset. And I remember like one of the biggest investments I ever had to make was, was moving into my dream house, the place I live in now, you know, uh, I love hosting events and I'm like, I want to have a badass mansion with 10 bedrooms, open spaces, and just have people over and just do awesome transformation type of events. And at the time, uh, I was looking at real estate and I was looking at the prices of these type of houses, especially in New York. And I was like, whoa, that's a big risk. You know, that's a lot of money. That's a big ass mortgage. And I knew that, okay, my intuition was like, if I buy the house, it's going to shift my identity, but also force me to host events and really, you know, become the person who deserves to live there, if that makes sense. So it was quite a big stretch and uh, some sleepless nights, you know, getting the mortgage and finally closing on the house. But the moment I had the key and I slept here for the first time and I had the whole house in my name, everything changed because now I became the person who deserves to live there. But at the same time, my mind got very creative because I had this big ass bill, you know, that I had to pay. So I was like, what can I do? How can I innovate? And then your mind goes into to different um, formulas of uh, developing wealth and creating more abundance. You know, I've, I've hosted 30 events at this house and those events have helped to pay for the house already, you That's know? So and it's like, it's, it, it's a sweet gig. But that's my personal opinion. I, sa I sometimes feel like you have to like stretch yourself, whether it's hiring a mentor or yeah. buying something that is extremely expensive, but extremely like just it shifts your identity in a powerful way. And then you're forced to pay for it through uh, innovation, marketing, sales, service. So that, that's my way. It might be controversial, but I'm the type of guy that likes to jump off a cliff and build wings on the way down. Uh, I, I, I remember my personal mentor years ago saying to me, um, he was driving in the car and then he was, cause he lives in Henley in, in the UK and uh, which, is a, which is a nice area for people. Um, we, I guess you don't have to be from the UK to, to know about it, but it's, it's quite it's affluent. A, it's very it's affluent. A, yeah. It's a very affluent area. And I remember we were driving and he's currently got a house, but he's renting. And he says about how he has a vision for this home that is on the river in Henley upon Thames. And he said to me something that Zig Ziglar, I'm pretty sure it's Zig Ziglar uh, said was that a lot of people buy a house on what, based on what they can afford. He goes, and they buy a house based on what they can afford rather than stepping out of the little bubble of what they can afford and out reaching out for a house that they can't afford, but they're going to force themselves to, go along that journey and get that house. But I think it's basically what you were just kind of saying there, AJ, wasn't it? Absolutely. You know, I think there are times when we need to stretch ourselves. And if you're an entrepreneur, you have complete total control over your destiny. And exactly. there are things that you could experience. And again, it's a shift in identity. You know, um, growing up, I was very, very poor. So we never really traveled. And I remember the first time I purchased a first class flight and the experience of being in the first class because being poor i would always be the you know poor boy walking through the aisle like all these damn rich people you know sitting in first class and i felt like such a slacker but then the moment i was able to buy that flight and how it made me feel and the experience i'm like whoa this is like a new standard that i want to create for myself and my loved ones and my family so yeah it's going to cost a lot more than a regular flight but it shifts your identity and on that yeah. flight, I just remember like coming up with different ideas and being in a different mind state because 
these luxury experiences shift you on a very, very cellular level, if that makes sense. Yeah, it really does, Matt. I, I recently went through that because I, I bought a new car recently and, and yeah, it was a stretch and that was just for the car. And it's a car that, you know, my dream car is Bentley, by the way, Continental GT. I love them. And I've, I've, I literally said to myself, I will never get one unless I can pay full in cash. Like that's, that's yes. my attitude. You know, I want to just be able to walk up to the dealership, throw the fucking cash monies down and drive away in it. Now, although I don't have that car yet in here, I do. I just don't have just time hasn't caught up. <laughs> yes. The car that I did get is also a very nice car. And it's one that I manifested in fact, for about three months. I kept seeing it. My reticular activating system was going crazy for like two, three months prior to getting this car. And, um, I was looking online at them and uh, I saw one up in Sheffield, which is like a good six, five hour drive from where we live. Right. And I was like, fuck, I'm not going to travel all the way up there. And funnily enough, check this out for universal intelligence. One day I was going to drop my partner off at her work. Now I would never normally drive the route to, that takes you past the garage that's at the back of where we live. Never. Cause that's an industrial estate. I would never drive that way to go to town, but on this particular day, there was uh, roadblocks on there. They were doing work underneath the train bridge. So I had to go that way. Now, I drove past, and for some reason, I looked to my right where this car garage is, and I've never looked at that car garage before in my life, and parked outside was the fucking car in the same color nice. with the same wheels, and I, and, and I saw it, and I pulled straight in. I pulled straight in there. I test drove it, and within 24 hours, I had gone back and, and got it. Now, what's interesting about this is it's expensive to run. It's like a hundred pound a week for fuel. And I don't drive it often. <laughs> like it's, it's costing me a fair chunk of change to just fuel it. Um, but what's interesting is people have said to me, like, oh, when they hear about it, like, fuck, you know, like, that's almost as much as your rent, you know, like that's crazy, bro. Um, and it's interesting because I don't care. Like, I don't care. What, what I care about is how I feel when I get in that car. What I care about is when I sit back in those seats and, and I've got this and I've got the power sitting under me and I've always wanted a quick car and I've always wanted a nice car because where I come from when I was younger, I was told we didn't have things like that. Yeah. My brother said to me, he used to say, bro, we don't have nice things. We aren't those type yeah. of people. So I, now I get to turn around and say, well, fuck you, dude, because we, <laughs> yeah, I broke the pattern. And I want to now pass that gift over to my daughter and show her that she can do it, you know? So, bro, That's I'm beautiful. Thank you, man. I'm so on, on, on the same page, dude. It's, it's, it's crazy. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's been a lot of relatability already. Uh, bro, we got to catch up more because uh, I'm sure that we could probably be on a podcast for like a year straight. <laughs> I, I agree. No, you guys are awesome. And I love this conversation and, uh, you know, happy to come back on and we could talk about a whole bunch of different stuff. Because, uh, oh, you know, I know you guys are the storytelling kings and uh, I got a lot of great storytelling strategies. I would love to compare notes. Oh, Wait, did you hear yeah, that, Matt? Yeah, you just I called just us the storytelling that. kings. I loved it. Yes. I loved it. Again, music to my ears, man. So, bro, I want to know um, how you transitioned because uh, for people that, there'd be some people that don't know who AJ Merzard is and there will be others that do. And the ones that do know that you now mentor and you do, you're doing speaking, you're doing events and doing all this cool shit and it's and it's from a, a business mentoring standpoint right you're helping people really just build their businesses and uh what great success stories you've had as well um but what i'm interested to know is how was that transition for you going from doing this shit for yourself 
to you know realizing and recognizing or becoming aware that really you wanted to do this for others as well what what, what was the moment that that shifted for you yeah, I think once I was very public about talking about online training and then being asked to speak at different seminars and events, I started to pick up one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching clients, you know, and they were like, could you just teach me what you're doing? And I'm like, yeah, sure thing. Just copy my stuff and, you know, model the stuff that I'm doing. And then they started to get it. And I was like, okay, wow. You know, um, these people are now taking this system and being successful with it. So it's not so much of me having to coach them, how about if I create like a course that teaches everything from start to finish? So at the time I was getting into webinars, you know, I was using webinars for my online fitness business. And I just had this idea of, let me just do a webinar for personal trainers and just literally give a screen share of my Facebook ads, my members portal and my backstory and everything that I do. And it was a very spontaneous intuitive decision. But at the time I just, woke up super early on a Wednesday morning, 6 a.m., and had the slides on the screen, just started talking into it, and it, I was so passionate. It was such a beautiful flow state, and I remember just taking that webinar and just first promoting to my email list, and from there, a bunch of people saw the webinar, and a bunch of courses started getting sold, you know, and I was like, whoa, this is working. This is really just ideal, and then from there, I just got Facebook ads, and I started running Facebook ads to the webinar and more courses started selling. And I was like, holy shit, like I'm spending a few hundred dollars in ads when I'm making thousands of dollars in money. And then I was like, this is literally a million dollar idea. So I just started putting more traffic into the webinar, selling more courses. And in one year, that business became a million dollar business, you know, wow. because at the time there wasn't a webinar that I knew of that was teaching personal trainers online personal training. And at the same time, it was just me literally giving them all the information is adding value, telling them my backstory. And, uh, that's what kind of got me into just really scaling the business. You know, a lot of times there's an opportunity. Most people are not aware of. I saw the opportunity and I was like, wow, no one's doing this. So let me be one of the pioneers to do this. And then it just exploded. We love that, man. We love that. And what, what, uh, cause, cause how long ago was that? Um, when you transitioned online and turned into that million dollar business, how long ago was that? That, that was in 2013. 2013. Okay. Yeah, Brilliant. Seven years ago. So that's, see what, what you essentially did there is what me and Matt um, are doing in the fitness industry as well. You know, we're trying to change the game by helping online fitness coaches to, because we were saying this and we say this all the time the fact that a lot of online trainers, you know, they just try to sell their coaching program. And when it comes to content marketing, they just try to put out tips and tricks and whatever it is to do with counting macros or, or losing weight via X, Y, and Z program. And or they use complicated language, right? And what we're trying to do now, what we are doing is obviously helping these guys to understand that their story, their personality, their uniqueness is the main ingredient to differentiating themselves from every other fit pro as well. And um, I guess that's what you did as well, you know, with that webinar, with that type of success. So I think my question now is leading on to, so that was back in 2013. What are you doing now? How has that shifted and changed that, that, that course from 2013 to 2020 right now? Well, the biggest thing was understanding who I want to be a hero to, which are personal trainers and how I want to serve them with helping them transition online. And then from there, that one webinar 
gave me the ideas to now scale this at a larger level. So once I got the formula of what converts and the story, the value, the offer, I then said, I'm going to take this webinar and start doing seminars in person with it. So within a year's time, I organized my first seminar for personal trainers and literally everything I taught on the webinar, I took the same exact slides and I taught it in person. And then from there, it worked just as well because the story, the offer, the personality, if it works online, it works even better in person. And I just started doing seminars and really just, you know, sharing, sharing the message. And, you know, I had a, a mentor and he told me like, um, the, the rule of ones, you know, like you focus on one target market with one offer and you essentially just scale every single part of that, you know, first you want to get to six figures. That's the most important thing, but then scale the different parts. So I took his advice and over time, you know, not just doing, um, seminars for online trainers, I created my own certification, which was the first online fitness coaching certification and just developing books, you know, different resources. I developed the first podcast about online training. So if you're in a niche, you know, the best thing to do is to focus on every single platform that serves your client, but stick with that one target market, stick with it until uh, the wheels fall off. That's the best advice I have. Dude, I love it. And you know what? We're going to wrap it up very, very shortly, but I just want to say, man, it, you're a true pioneer, man. And, and I feel like we could learn so much from you. Um, and one day I just want to say, dude, you're going to see us at one of your in-person masterminds at your house, bro. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah. You've got to have the fit story company down there, bro. But, um, <laughs> AJ, I'd love to have you guys. Yeah, oh, dude, it would be, a, it would be absolutely awesome. I'm sure it'd be a blast. Um, I keep seeing them as well. These videos that you keep doing of when you do have, them and with the, the big lion picture yeah 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 you see it. <laughs> i'm like man that looks dope um but bro very conscious of your time and uh we just want to say thank you so yeah, thank much you very much us, man it's it's been an absolute blast and i'm sure we're just scratching the surface of, of aj merzard's story and it's going to continue to evolve and develop and just uh, continue to go to new heights man i've been following you for a while and love what you're doing so um bro it's a pleasure and uh yeah we're gonna wrap this up Anything last to say before we do? Yeah, I just want to acknowledge you both, you know, Matt, Perry, and son of Odin. Uh, you guys are <laughs> killing it, you know? And I love the value you're adding to the fitness industry because I watch you guys and, and all the stuff you're doing, you know, like I, like I said, storytelling is so close to my heart and the fact that you guys have such value to add and, and bring more awareness to this area, which in my opinion is the most important thing a person can do their own personal story, the story of their business, their brand, the story of their clients and their successes. You know, these are the most powerful ways to help people. And having you guys be the kings of storytelling is something very admirable. And uh, from now on, you guys are royalty. Bro, thank you so much. Where can people find you, AJ? Yeah, sure. So my Instagram is probably my most engaged social media that I stay on. And it's really simple. My name A-J-M-I-H-R-Z-A-D. And if you just Google my name, A-J Mirzad, uh, even if you spell it wrong, all the different stuff will come up. But my main hub is my website, onlinesupercoach.com. And, uh, you know, you'll see all my seminars, my free trainings, my books, my certifications. And I'm actually planning a seminar in the UK what? very, very soon. Oh, yes. shit. Dropping yes. the so, right this now. Is my 
my, my dream. And uh, I, I would love to see you guys there too as well. And uh, yeah. it, it, I'm saying it publicly here now, but uh, it, I just, I love to travel and ha take these events everywhere. And when I do the UK one, it'll be on my website. Well, keep, in, like, keep us in a loop, mate. Yeah, just like Jeremy Clarkson used to say in Top Gear, on that bombshell, we'll see you, <laughs> yeah. we'll see you next week. <laughs> Cheers. All right. See you later, Have a good day, man. Bye-bye, man. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Fit Story TV, the number one resource that everyone in fitness can relate to. Yo, if you got value from this episode, all we ask is that you tell a friend. See you next time.